you all for supporting us as we pursued our passion project. Each one of our guests has inspired and taught us in many different ways. We are beyond grateful that our guests placed their trust in us to share their story, and we hope that you were able to recognize the power of the human spirit. Today's guest is Ren. She's a victim of Munchausen by proxy. She tells us her story of realizing that her childhood experiences weren't what they seemed at the time. Ren is a true survivor who is now bringing awareness to the world. Stay tuned for Ren's unique, eye-opening story. Welcome, Ren. We're so grateful to have the chance to hear your story today. Thank you so much for having me. Ren, your story is unimaginable for most people. Um, you're going to talk to us a little bit about Munchausen by proxy or the new name, fictitious disorder imposed on another. Um, so I guess why don't we start off with what exactly is Munchausen by proxy? Um, so Munchausen by proxy is a disorder that people have that is based on narcissism. Not everyone with narcissistic personality disorder has Munchausen by proxy, but most people with Munchausen by proxy have narcissistic personality disorder, or at least narcissistic traits. Uh, it is a disorder in which you make up illnesses or sicknesses for people who are under your care. So it's most common amongst like mothers, and it also happens to people who are caring for the elderly as well. I didn't think about that, like caregivers. Yeah. I guess I never thought about that. I've like the the mother thing. Um, I think just like from society, different like movies and different books and whatnot. Like you get that, but the caregiving yeah. one is a different. Yeah, yeah it's a difference. It has to be someone who is um, like has a power or control over someone. So if you're just a caregiver and you go and you visit homes, uh, it's harder to have Munchausen by proxy in that situation because the person who has Munchausen by proxy has to have like complete control over the care of someone. So if you're just coming to give care, it's harder to um, sure. develop right. that syndrome with that. But like somebody who has power of attorney over somebody else who yes. is like actually physically, okay, so that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for you, how did you find out like, I mean, because as a kid, as a child, obviously all kids, like you trust your parents. They're supposed to be taking care of you. They're supposed to be guiding you. How did this even come to fruition? A lot of children who are suffering as victims of Munchausen by proxy because kids who are going through it and are being abused do not have Munchausen by proxy. They're victims of it. So a lot of kids who are victims of it, they don't even realize until much later on that they did go through that just because like you said you are programmed to trust your parents to listen to your parents so i didn't realize until i was 21 and i'm 24 now so it was not a very long time ago at all um i was raised to believe that i was a sick child like always even though there was one like key peak in which i was being abused where i um, was put in a wheelchair for two years and another peak time where I wasn't in a wheelchair, but I was going through a lot of like doctor's appointments. And my mom told everyone that I was, I woke up from surgery one morning and I just couldn't like bear weight on my body. So there was a lot, there was two key peaks, but throughout my entire life, I was always programmed like you're sick, your muscles are weak. Um, my mom would all, would show people images of like me, uh, like school pictures and stuff. And be like, look at how sick she is. And she did this in front of me. So like I was, programmed to believe yeah. that I was sick. Uh, so I always was careful. I was put on like medication when I was really, really young, around like six, seven years old, that um, made me tired, made me fatigued. Um, it actually, it was a muscle relaxer. And I came to realize this not too long ago, 
But these muscle relaxers, I was put on them because it helps with muscle pain and muscle spasms, which is what I was experiencing when I was younger, according to my mother. But they also cause muscle fatigue and muscle weakness and loss of muscle tone, as well as issues with memory. Um, so those things could have contributed as well to my muscle weakness that my mom used as an excuse to put me in a wheelchair. But anyways, to answer the question on how I found out, I um, I was 21. I ended up getting off of those medications when I was 18. So I was on those medications for about 12 years. So I got off at 18. I started taking better care of my body. I uh, was exercising regularly, working out, finally going to the gym and doing things that a normal 20-year-old should be doing to keep their body healthy. And I noticed that my muscles started to like feel weaker and get cramped up again. I'm like, oh, my muscles are just acting out. And my boyfriend, who is still my boyfriend now, he um, he is a huge health nut. So like he's really into like protein shakes and exercising regularly, regularly. And he got me into the gym as well. And he was just like looking at my diet and he's like, you are not eating enough protein. Like there is not enough protein in your body. And I was raised a vegetarian. Vegetarianism was my choice. I decided when I was very little, but my parents allowed me to do it because they thought it was, you know, like a phase, which ended up not being because I'm still a vegetarian today. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really know kind of like how to feed me. So I was not getting proper protein throughout my entire life up until recently. So when I started eating better and drinking protein shakes while working out, I noticed that my body works just like anybody else's body works. You feed it right, you give it the proper nutrients, you work out, you get stronger. You right. don't feed it right, you eat too much sugar, your body's off balance, you work out, your muscles get weaker. It's just how science works, I guess. Right. So, yeah. um, and at that point, I had already known a lot of things about my mother. I've known about like her other personality disorders, her narcissism. Um, I've known that she likes to create big drama around medical illnesses. She also has a lot of medical disabilities and her life is sort of centered around when's my next surgery. She would always make conversations about her medical needs, her surgeries. It was always about medical issues. Sure. So when I started realizing that my body's healthy and I started thinking about um, all of the, all the things that I went through and I started remembering the fact that like, I could walk around the majority of the time that I was in a wheelchair in public, right? My mom called it out that I was just practicing. So I was able to walk around just fine. Yeah. What? I, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like I, um, I mean, of course the first couple of months I was in the wheelchair, I was like in the wheelchair for full time and bear with me because my memories are very cloudy in sure. combination of like trauma plus the medication and everything. So right. I do have memories of me like walking around the home. And I do remember my mom saying I was just practicing. But when I was in public, I was in the wheelchair. But I, she did transition me out of the wheelchair. So it was like wheelchair and then a walker and then a cane. But at home, I was walking just fine. So I started putting all of those memories together along with the information that I knew about my mother and along with how my body works now, and I started doing a lot of research, I collected my medical records, and I sort of put all the puzzle pieces together. Wow. So, yeah. Ren, do you have siblings? Uh-huh. 
Now, did that have, oh, go ahead. I have two younger siblings, um, a younger brother and a younger sister, and they're twins. Did they, did they have any of these same things happen with them with your mom? Um, no, not to the full extent that, that what happened to me, obviously. I mean, they were still abused, but more in an emotional abuse of way or like a narcissistically abused. Um, my mom did make big deals over like small colds and stuff, but she never fully went for it like she did with me. And that's actually quite common amongst um, people with mentality yeah. proxy because it's easier to get away with it. If you right. have three sick children who are always in the hospital with mysterious illnesses that are unable to be diagnosed, that raises way more red flags than right. this one. So. Yeah, absolutely. So how old were you when this whole, like when the start of this wheelchair incident or this event like that lasted yeah. for years, it sounds like, how old so were you? I was in sixth grade. Oh. And yeah, so I was in sixth grade when I was put in the wheelchair, but around first, second grade is when the um, illnesses, like in the grooming, I guess, started. Okay. Holy cow. And you had said, I think this is the event, you had said there were two peaks. So that first peak, your mom had said that you like woke up from a surgery. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what were you, why did, what were you having surgery on? My ear tubes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that was when I was around six, seven is okay. when I got my ear tubes put in. Or I, I don't know if they were put in or taken out or something. I had a lot of ear tube issues when I was younger. So Sure. Sure. Oh my gosh. I just, I just can't even imagine as a sixth grader being put in a wheelchair. Right. So like, were you, were you going to school? Were you homeschooled? How did that all yeah. work? So I was in school um, for about two weeks after the incident started. I was in the hospital and I came home from the hospital in the wheelchair. About, I spent about two weeks at home and then I went back to school full time. And that was an experience for sure. And then uh, that happened around like February. And at the end of the school year, my mom actually transferred schools for me. So I went to a new school starting the next year. And at that point, I believe she had already moved me to the Walker, but I can't remember crystal clear right, um, sure. where I was at at that point. But yes. Oh my gosh. Well, was there like, ever Tara oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, Tara has a sixth grader right now. Yeah. And so like thinking of, I mean, Tara, I'm like speaking for you a little bit, but like Tara's daughter, like literally is like, you know, her, Tara is like her everything, right? She's going to trust every single thing that she tells her. She's going to do whatever her mom tells her, even if she throws a fit about it. Cause she's like, pissy about it. She's still going to yeah. do it because, you know, like you're at that age where you're the most impressionable. Like you, of course, your mom's going to tell you the truth. Of course, your mom's got your best interest at heart. Like to question anything or to even, even the fact that you're saying like you could walk at home, you wouldn't even think anything about it. It would just be like, well, this is what my mom says. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I can't even imagine because like, like, like she said, like my sixth grader and all of her friends, they are bouncing off the walls. Like they don't sit or anything so I can't imagine them not being able to get like that energy out oh yeah it was very difficult to I mean I can't fully remember like the full experience right, right. but I do remember getting really restless and I have ADHD like really bad ADHD and at that point I was undiagnosed but it was pretty obvious at the point like now looking back 
that I was having a really hard time sitting still. And I'm very surprised as to like my teachers not noticing or like picking up on it because my wheelchair had these like legs, the footrests that moved mm -hmm. up and down. So you could like pull them up and then you pull a lever and they'll go back down so you can adjust them based on like elevation. Um, but me with ADHD and like not being able to sit still, I was taking my legs and I was moving them up and then I like pulled the lever, they went back down and then I moved them back up and I pulled the lever and like that takes muscle strength to move the things up. But, yeah. and then when I was put in the walker, I was like, I would stand up and I would rock it back and forth like with my arms and I would just mm -hmm. shake it around and then I'd like prop myself up on it and I'd sit down on one of the sides and my teachers would give me strange looks. But that was just me not being able to sit still. And I imagine it's like one of those things too, where like, I wonder if they like recognize that and like giving you the strange looks are like, what in the world? But like, it, it's hard to like reconcile that with yourself when what you're told and what you know is that there really is something wrong. Exactly. Yes. They, they were probably just thinking like, it was super strange. Um, I actually had a, well, I still have a friend who um, was my friend when I was in the wheelchair, we went to summer camp together. And I actually did go to summer camp in a wheelchair, which is the strangest experience ever. But she, um, she like would push me around. And she was kind of like my only friend at summer camp at that time, just because like, I mean, who wants to be friends with the kid in the wheelchair at summer camp? But like, I mean, obviously I had other friends too, but she was my closest friend at summer camp and we lost touch, but she actually found my TikTok and she Aww. reached out to me and we caught up. And um, she was like telling me about how she thought it was just super strange, how one summer camp I was fine. Then the next one I was in the wheelchair. And then when I came back, again, I was like walking fine. I mean, was there ever anyone along the way that like questioned what was going on? So as far as I'm aware, when I was in the wheelchair, no one said or did anything they could have with just without my knowledge. The only people, there was two doctors who sort of, as far as I'm concerned, were aware or questioning things. Um, and, but that was way farther down the line. That was when I was in high school. So I had this pediatrician and he did more harm than good. Um, he decided to cut me off cold turkey from my medication, which is not okay in oh, yeah. any way, shape or form. It doesn't matter what the medication is, but that me thinking that I needed that medication I was like really upset. I'm like, why is he cutting me off cold turkey? And my parents got really upset too. And they immediately took us to another doctor. They're like, we're done with this person. We're going to another doctor. Mm -hmm. So went to another doctor and she is amazing. Um, she was the, like my first confidant. Um, I came in the room. She sort of like looked at my medical records. She ended up kicking my parents out of the room and said like, it's just gonna be you and me. We're, uh, we're gonna make a plan to wean you off this medication. We're going to do a couple more tests just to make sure that like nothing is wrong with you because as far as I'm concerned, you're a perfectly healthy teenager. Um, and so yeah, that doctor was honestly amazing. I'm very grateful for her. I actually went back 
to visit her about a year ago uh, after I'd figured everything out. And I asked her to confirm it. And she said, because she wasn't my doctor at the time, she couldn't legally confirm that that happened to me. If I wanted to get that done, I'd have to visit all the doctors that I had while I was in the wheelchair, mm -hmm. which is a very long list of doctors because I had like a huge team uh, yeah. both here and on the other side of the country. So wow. there was, yeah. um, there's a lot of records that I still need to collect and more information that I still need to get. But uh, she said she couldn't legally confirm it. So I guess the question I have is, um, what was going on like with your dad the whole time all of this was going on? Like, did he recognize anything? Was he just kind of like going with the flow with whatever your mom said or how, how was that? So my dad is a very passive individual. Okay. He sort of enables all of her antics and all of her tendencies. And uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on at the time. At the time, like immediately before I was put in a wheelchair, my mom was struggling with a lot of drug related stuff. Oh, and that okay. was all prescription because she has medical issues too, but she started a dependence on it which made her behave and act erratically. And yeah. so my dad just sort of buried himself into his work. He was the sole provider. He worked, he came home, he cooked, he did the dishes, he played his video games for the rest of the night. Like he just sort of mm -hmm. buried himself into his own little world to protect himself. And I mean, I can't really put that past him because I probably would have done the same situ thing in that situation. Um, he also, if you think about it, if you have a daughter and you see is struggling uh, and one morning she woke up and she's having a difficult time walking and your wife who is a nurse, yes, my mom is a nurse. Your wife is a nurse. Um, has the best interest of your daughter at heart, at least from my dad's perspective. She had my best interest at heart. She is a medical expert. She went to nursing school. Um, she thinks that there's something wrong with your daughter who you have no idea because you have nothing to do with the medical field. You're right. going to trust that she is going to put your daughter's best interest at heart. So yeah. he took the back seat. He let her mm -hmm. dictate everything. And I actually did confront him about a year ago as well, shortly after I visited my doctor. And I um, I asked him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to be in that wheelchair. And he like got visibly upset, like sad. And he denied and he's like, I saw you, you couldn't walk. And I'm like, well, I I feel like I, I could. And he's like, well, you, you couldn't, you couldn't walk. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I honestly don't have very many memories from that time. And he, we changed the subject. And then later he came back to that subject. He's like, he's like, you really can't remember most of that time. I'm like, no, my memories are very foggy from that time. And that he thought about that. Like I could see his, the gears turning. Yeah. But then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we haven't really spoken about that since or spoken about much of anything else since. So. Well, and honestly, like, I think a thing too, that people don't maybe not are aware of, like ha having a narcissist in your life, you are constantly being manipulated, right? Exactly. You are constantly mm -hmm. to the point where 
you are so confident that this other person in your life, whatever they're telling you is the accurate information about yourself, about your world, that you don't have any other opinions other than what this narcissist has put upon you. And so you're like, you're in your dad's defense almost. I mean, you're literally, he also is a victim of this, you know, and exactly. I, and yeah. while he was an adult and adults should be, you know, making better decisions, they should have more conscious choices. You know, you have the action and the ability to take that at the same time, when your whole world is being manipulated, it is very easy to go ahead and say, we're doing what's best for our kid. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Have you ever um, confronted your mom? Uh, I don't feel the need to. I okay. feel like if I were to confront her, it would just be like talking to a wall. Narcissists don't even realize that they have a problem. And if they do get confronted, that just makes every single matter worse. They will deny, they will gaslight, they will turn everything against you. Um, I do not want to waste my mental energy or my emotional energy on that when I know Smart I'm moves. not going yeah. to get the answer that I want. Right. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely a smart move. And that's the thing is, is like, it's when you know in your heart what happened to you and you know that you lived it, you lived it, you know, what's the difference if you get confirmation from her or not? The reality right. is, is your relationship going forward isn't going to really be there anyway. You know, like whatever relationship you choose to have, you choose to have. But how can you put your trust back in somebody when you're now aware of what's going on? Yeah, You know, something that my therapist told me, which is very similar to what you just said, is that if you have a gut feeling that something really traumatic happened to you, but you have second guesses or thoughts that are telling you otherwise, more likely than not, that thing happened to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you have any kind of contact with your mom now? Um, it's very, very complicated. It's extremely complicated. She is trying to repair our relationship. Uh, and by repair our relationship, I mean, get me to behave with her toxicity. Because that's what narcissists do. She thinks that I'm the problem. Right. Uh, she thinks that my therapist is the problem. She thinks that my boyfriend is the problem. Um, she thinks that everyone is manipulating me to turn against her. So she's trying to bring me back to her. Like, and she's texting me on a daily basis. I'm trying my hardest to go no contact. Uh, but she lives so close to me. It's almost impossible. If you go no contact with a narcissist, there's going to be a huge reaction. And yes, yeah. they go to extreme lengths to bring you back under their control. So I'm waiting until I'm at a point in which I can like create, make more space between us. Cause the last time that I tried to do that, I literally moved two hours away from her, which is the best that I could do at that point. And I moved two hours away and I was so happy. I blocked her number. I was free. I was working at a really nice salon. Um, and I'm not at a cosmetologist anymore. I went back to school, but, uh, I was working at this really nice salon and I was like really happy with my life and everything was going great. And not even two months after I moved, my parents announced that they were going to be moving here as well, which is a huge deal considering the fact that they had lived in the same city 
for like nearly 15 years. So, yeah. Well, clearly that was a plan. Yeah. That was a strategic move on yes, her end, you know? Definitely. Um, what about your siblings? Do you have much contact with them or? Yes, we're really close. Even though they actually moved farther away. They're in a different state now. So <laughs> very grateful that they are safe and they have more distance. Um, but we have a really great relationship when we talk almost daily. Oh, oh good. Great. That's fantastic. In, in your whole journey that you've been through, right? And it's still an ongoing journey, you know. Um, but what do you think has been the hardest part thus far? I think the hardest part for me personally, I think there's two. So the first part was, uh, and I didn't even realize this at the time, but like how being in a wheelchair was affecting like my personal relationships and hindering my ability for social and developmental growth as a child. It, I was very like distanced from a lot of people. Um, I, my parents actually moved me when I said I switched schools. They switched me to a like accelerated school for gifted learners, which like gave me five to six hours of homework every night and uh. basically completely took away my social life. Mm -hmm. So add that on top of the wheelchair and the rest of the medical tests and the abuse. Um, it was just really hard for me to have a normal childhood or a normal middle school experience. Yeah. Um, and that school environment is extremely toxic. I feel like that's an entire other podcast. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So that was like the first hardest thing I had to get through. The second thing was probably after I'd come to terms with what had happened to me, dealing with going through all those memories and reprocessing everything and sort of looking at my childhood from another perspective and realizing the full damage between my mother's and my relationship processing that was extremely hard i was going through a lot of dark times at that period well yeah i can only imagine because like we said like i mean in as an adult now you can look at it and you're like your parent really is supposed to be this like shining light for you you know and mm -hmm. when when all of a sudden you you turn your perspective and you look at it and really they were like the darker part of your life. It's literally a mind blowing experience to the point of like, it's a lot of inner work that is extremely hard to go through. You just shook your entire existence, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting because when I was going through that period and I was coming to terms with all of the stuff that happened to me, I, uh, one of my friends from that really hard school that I was referring to earlier, she was in town. So we met up and we were catching up and we were talking about our parents. And I was like, yeah, it's weird how when you get older, you sort of shift your perspective on your parents. And she was like, yeah, it's, um, it's weird because they're humans too. And they make mistakes and they're not perfect, but we view them as perfect when we're younger. And I'm like, oh, girl, you have no idea. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what have you learned about yourself through your whole journey thus far? Um, I have learned, I mean, obviously, I've always known that I'm strong and that I'm capable of a lot, especially since people were always telling me, oh, you're so strong. But they were referring to, like, my mental strength and my physical strength of getting out of a wheelchair. Right. But... I think my ability to take this terrible and traumatic thing that happened to me in the past, it does it happen to very many people and turn it into 
an educating opportunity to spread awareness and to teach people about this um, speaks a lot to my own personal strength and my ability to make the good make good out of a bad situation. Yeah, it speaks to your character for sure to now. Mm-hmm. And that's what we love seeing that. Like there are a lot of people that come mm-hmm. on this podcast and it's just so fantastic to see people using their own trauma, their own difficult, dark moments, but trying to bring some light to that for somebody else. Right. And that's, that's all, that's like the best gift you can do out of a dark situation. So exactly. good for you. Thank you <laughs> so much. What advice might you have um, for, for just all of us to be a little bit more aware about this. Yeah, I think I think just to be more aware about this, like, is there is there any telltale signs for some of us to see this and happening in other people? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's very rare. And obviously, I don't want to prosecute like, or go after people who legitimately have sick children, right? And that's a lot of the comments that I get on my videos, which is really disheartening because I'm trying to spread awareness for something that like people really don't know about and yeah. they're feeling like they're being attacked, which is, it's, it breaks my heart, honestly, but um, I want to, in a way, create education so that way people do know the difference. So that way we're not going after the people who are legitimately have sick children and these abusers aren't like being swept under the rug because it is extremely hard to prosecute people with this disorder because the courts and CPS and everyone else will always go in favor of the parent because sometimes there are illnesses that just don't present itself. So what you really have to look for is the behavior of the parent. Uh, What most people will look at is just like, oh, well, let's look at the kid's medical records. Let's see how they are, Like, is there a possibility that they could be sick when they're completely ignoring the behavior of the person who actually has Munchausen proxy? And it's the narcissistic tendencies. It's the being able to get um, energy off of other people's sympathy towards you. They'll always be talking about how much they do for their child. They'll be chasing um, diagnoses that they have like really specific diagnoses in their mind that have symptoms that don't relate to it whatsoever. The kids will suddenly get better if they're not like in the presence of their parent, but also at the same time that could be masking for kids who are actually sick. So you have to be careful with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, it's really just like looking at the parent, what their own personal like personality is like. Yeah. Are yeah. they a narcissist? Are they getting energy off of other people's sympathy? Are they constantly hovering over their children? Because what I've noticed is these parents will be the helicopter parents on steroids. They'll be in the classroom constantly. They're trying to control. So you need to look at their motive. Are they trying to control or are they genuinely trying to help their child? And a lot of these manipulative people will say that they're genuinely trying to help their child. But in reality, they're not. They're just getting sympathy and emotional energy from other people's sympathy. Um, But yeah, so that's definitely what to look for. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's great advice. Especially, you know, like I feel like growing up and maybe I just missed the mark, but I don't think so. (laughs) Um, 
I feel like nowadays we're finally like talking about things we never talked about, you know, like gaslighting used to never be a freaking term, you know, like mm-hmm. we used to never talk about that. Narcissistic personality disorder, even being a narcissist, isn't something that like we were growing up, we t- learned about or even knew. Nowadays it's like, okay, friend, yeah, you over yeah. here might be a narcissist, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think like that's, uh, that's such great advice to give to somebody to even recognize that because they can take that information, not just in this type of situation, but in your own life and evaluate people that are in your life that might be a little toxic to you regardless, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that's another try- thing I'm trying to normalize on my page too. It's not just like Mentality Proxy, but also narcissists in general and how it's okay to create distance between yourself and a toxic person, even if they're your family, because toxic is toxic. Right. And it can have a huge impact on your life, your mental health, and everything else like that. It's absolutely insane that we're just now talking about the fact that it's okay to not talk to people who are bad for you. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <clears throat> well, Lauren, what do you hope the takeaway is of your story for our listeners? So as far as just telling my story, um, It's really great that I got the opportunity to be on here to share my story and things that happened to me and to spread awareness for this disorder that is not talked about. But another thing, too, is I I really want to make it aware that it's okay to recognize toxic behaviors in those around you and to do something about it uh, and that you own your own story. You own your own narrative. It's your life. You only get one as far as we know. Right. So it's your life make sure that you're happy and put yourself first. It's not narcissistic to put yourself first and to distance yourself from people who are toxic for you. Oh my gosh, sister. I can't even begin to tell you how fabulous that is. Like, honestly, Ren, <laughs> you are 24 years old and the while your childhood might have been difficult and having these realizations are super difficult, where you're at now and where you're going to go from this, like, is so amazing. I mean, what you're doing, the message you're sharing, using your platform to spread awareness like this, like kudos to you. Honestly, this is it, this is so admirable. I love it. Thank you so much. Oh, and therapy. Normalize therapy because yes. therapy was me being able to recognize what happened to me and get over it. Therapy is not just for people who have problems. Therapy is for everybody. So yes. please just normalize therapy. Oh, I love that too. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, before we go, Ren, we just have some super lighthearted pop questions for you that we're going to ask. Um, so the first question is, if you could have an endless supply of anything, what would it be? Hmm. I would have an endless supply of dogs. Oh, that's oh, a great one. Yeah. yeah. I love that. If you could meet anyone living or dead, who would it be? Uh, I would probably meet Jennifer Lawrence because I've been a huge Hunger Games fan for a really long time. But also, she's just hilarious and an awesome person and a beautiful soul. And I would just like, like to go have lunch with her or hang out with her or something. What is your most used emoji? Um, The laughing emoji with like the tears coming out of both eyes. I love that guy. <laughs> What's your stance on pineapple on pizza? 
Very controversial, guys. But I like pineapple on pizza. Um, I really like the combination of pineapple and jalapenos on pizza. Wow. Have you ever tried it? Because you get like the sweet and the spicy. It's so good. Now that you say that, though, I could see that. I I love spicy. So that one, I could see that wrap it up. Um, And then the last question, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I have always wanted the ability to freeze time. Ooh, That's a good one. That is a good one. I like it. Well, Ren, we cannot thank you enough for sharing your inspiring story with us. Um, And we know that you're going to inspire our listeners too. You are an absolute true survivor. Thank you so much for being unapologetically you. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy you joined us. And we hope this story inspired you to be unapologetically you. Join us next time for another remarkable journey. And if you or someone you know has a story to share, please reach out to us on our website at unapologeticallyyoupodcast.com. Don't forget to like us on Instagram and Facebook at unapologeticallyyoupodcast. And please rate and subscribe on whatever platform you listen in on so that we can continue to inspire you.